Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Deary. On our last podcast, we discussed the seven keys for facing and overcoming your giants from our series titled The Journey. Today, we focus on key number seven, love and faith, in a message titled Battle Plan for Overcoming, Part 2. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Do not panic, because when you panic, you yield your own control to your fear. So never panic in a crisis. When a crisis comes, first thing you got to do is learn how to get calm. That's the first thing. And that's why I'm glad you all have the spirit of God. Because that's what you need in your crisis. In your your crisis, you need to call on God. Not, ah, God, but Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're with me. Amen. That's the emergency signal there. Amen. I don't know where it's coming from, but we we already declared. And I just told you, we're not going to panic. Amen. So we're we're not worried about that. The second thing is in crisis is... Remember your teaching. First thing is not to panic. The second thing is remember your teaching. Remember what you've been taught. Because in your crisis is when you need to exercise what you know. When I was coaching, uh, this guy told me he's watching me coach my team. My team was getting, they were getting worn out this one particular game. And one of the parents came. He said, man, you should have been screaming. You should have been telling me. I said, you can't teach while they're playing. See, he wanted me to scream at the kids and tell them what to do. No, they ran into something we weren't prepared for. I can't teach them right now. They just got to take this whooping. (laughs) We weren't prepared for what happened that day. Amen? Now, there were other times we had taught them all kinds of stuff, and when people would change up stuff, I would say, do this. They already knew it, so they trusted their teaching, and they were able to execute. If you are prepared ahead of time, You'll be ready when crisis comes. Amen? So we must, as believers, be prepared both in faith and in our natural actions. Amen? Amen. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get into the Word for today, but I want to make sure everybody understands there is a little bit of a crisis happening. And I say a little bit because it's real, but... We're not empowered over it except by our prayers. So what we're going to do is when we pray for the word this morning, we're going to pray for that, those neighborhoods that may be safe. Amen? Because we know prayer works. Amen? Amen. If you know prayer works, say amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak a word that will encourage us and get us to the next level. I thank you, Lord, that those, are not able, those that are not able to be here, Lord, that your hedge of protection and guidance be around them as they are out and about. Lord, for our, our, our ministers who are ministering somewhere today, I thank you for you having your blessed hand on them to minister in spirit and in truth. For those of us, our, our, our 
Brothers and sisters who are without power this morning, I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit that you would touch and and protect what is theirs. I thank you that you speedily allow the power to be restored. Give them a supernatural favor for that to occur right now. We pray for our men and women who live in the Glen Cove area that right now in the name of Jesus, we pray a hedge around their, their possessions right now. Lord, your word says you perfect that which concerns us and we thank you that you are take pleasure in the prosperity of your servants. And so we thank you that their property, their their well-being is protected right now in the name of Jesus. Guard their their homes, guard their their possessions and keep them physically safe and also keep them spiritually strong. Holy Spirit, step into their moments right now and encourage them, bless them so that the spirit of fear will be cast down right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for all of our people here today, everyone that was able to make it. Let them have an ear to hear what the spirit would say to them today. And let this be a choice word that penetrates the heart and it causes them to know what they need to do and to walk with you in a deeper way when they leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this is a great opportunity for me to just teach old school style. Amen. So let's go to Mark chapter 9. Let's jump right to Mark chapter 9. And I believe today is a a turning point for our church. I believe that today is a turning point. Not because you're going to hear something you never heard before, but I believe today is a new day. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to go to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin at verse 14. I want you to listen to this tremendous passage of Scripture. And it says this, it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes, disputing with them immediately when they saw him all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeting him and when he asked the scribes what are you discussing with them then one from the multitude answered and said teacher i brought to you my son who has a mute spirit And whenever he seizes him, the spirit seizes the boy, he throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him, the demon, out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you bring him to me then they brought him to him and when he saw him immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth so he asked the boy's father how long has this been happening to him and he said from childhood And when and often he has been thrown him in both the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you, 
can believe. He didn't tell him, I'm going to do something. He said, if you can believe. This is one of the most important things that every Christian needs to understand, process, and get in their heart, in their mind. It's not what God is capable of doing or if God will do something. It's if you believe. If you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, it's possible to be filled with faith and have fear or doubt at the same time. And then it's possible for us to fully say, I believe in God, but I'm struggling with this over here. Or I believe in God, but I don't know why this is happening to me. I believe in God, but I don't know why my kids are not acting this way. I believe in God, but I don't know why my money's funny. I believe in God, but I don't know why I feel confused. I believe all those things, but I don't know why I don't feel. So Lord, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. I need you to help me with that part of me that's not saying yes. (laughs) Amen. See, in worship this morning, there was this, 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 this continual thing that kept saying, say yes, say yes, say yes. It just kept coming from different places. It came from the stage. It came from the, from, from the platform prophetically. It came, say yes. And sometimes people say, I am saying yes. You are. But sometimes there's a part of you that's still saying no. Amen. And with our best intentions of saying yes to God, sometimes there is the real life struggle of something in me that keeps saying no. And no matter how far I go, I still run into that thing. And so here's this father who says, I love my son. I want my son to be well. And I believe God can heal him. I believe it, which is why I brought him to you, Jesus. Because I believe. And then you're telling me, if I believe, all things are possible. I believe, but it hasn't happened yet. Amen. I believe, but it hasn't happened yet. I believe, but I don't see a change. I believe, but things seem like they're the same as yesterday. Look what Jesus says. When the man made the confession and saying, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Verse 25 says, when Jesus saw that the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit. Saying to him, the spirit. You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him and when, and he became as one dead. So that many said, the boy is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Verse 28, and this is where I want us to dial in. When he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And what you have to understand about the disciples at this point 
is that there had been a point sometime earlier where Jesus had gathered his disciples. He had 75 of them. He said, I'm going to give you power to go cast out demons. Now go. And they went out and they came back and they said, Lord, it's just like you said. We went out there, we cast out demons, we healed the sick. Wow, they were excited. Then he took another group and he sent them out. And he said, now go out in my name. And they did the same thing. They came back and said, Lord, the demons were subject to us. But now here it is. Jesus says, they said, Jesus, what's with this one? All the other ones went when we said go. All the other ones, when we said we commanded them, they left. How come this one wouldn't go? We had faith. We believed. We've had success before. How come this one wouldn't leave like the other ones left when we cast them out? And you can look at Luke, verse, Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10 and see where those, those two situations are. Look at Jesus answered. He said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind can only come out except by prayer and fasting. So let me ask you a question. When at this sequence did Jesus either pray or fast? They asked him, they said, Jesus, how come we were able to cast out demons before? How come right now we can't cast this demon out? He brought the child to us. The child was brought and... We tried to cast him out. He wouldn't come out. You walk up. You cast him out. How come he wouldn't come out when we cast him out? But how come you were able to cast him out? And Jesus said, this one doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. So my question was to you is to you. Did Jesus either pray or fast in this moment? he didn't even pray he said you demon you come out he commanded the demon he didn't pray he didn't ask God to do nothing (laughs) he commanded that demon to get out and go and it went out so that the boy fell down like he was dead he took the boy by the hand picked him up he's fine so much so they said Jesus what happened how come this wouldn't work for us why won't this work This one doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. (laughs) Go to Matthew 17. We're going to read a different account of the same thing. Matthew 17, verse 14. See, the disciples ran into a giant. They ran into a giant. They were excited because they had been able to do things. And Jesus told them when they were all excited, when they got all excited about the fact that they were able to cast out demons, demons were subject to them. He told them, he said, don't, be, get, because of, don't get excited because of that. You should rather be excited because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You should be more excited about the fact that God is with you than the fact that demons are scared of you. Because it's the fact that God is with you that demons are afraid of you. Amen? It's not because of you, it's God in you. Amen? 
See, their problem was when they, they started believing in their own powers. And so in their own power, they said, come out. Demon said, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I found this place clean and swept and it's mine. I'm not leaving. And they said, how come we could not cast it out? Because if you have to get ready in the time of crisis, it's too late. Amen? If crisis comes, it's just like the fire right now. People are being evacuated. If you're not ready when they say evacuate, then you can't get ready now. If you already have stuff prepared ahead of time, if you're not prepared ahead of time, then there's no way when crisis comes, you'll be ready when the crisis gets there. Amen. And so every Christian needs to pay close attention to what Jesus is saying here because you've got a crisis coming to your house. Amen. Uh, Can I say it one more time? Amen. Amen. Come on. Chapter 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, excuse me. Yeah, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son for he's epileptic. And he suffers severely, for often he falls into the fire, often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will what? I be with you. How long will I what? Bear with you. Bring him here to me. Once again, Jesus said, how long am I going to be here? See, Jesus said, I'm not going to be here to do this for you forever. (laughs) Amen. Come on. I'm going to let y'all meditate on that. Amen. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and he came out of him and the child was cured from that hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast him out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. (laughs) For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, tell your neighbor mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from there to here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So my question to you is, given these two passages which are given the same account of what Mark witnessed and what Matthew witnessed, they both saw the same account. When we read this, is he talking about demons only come out by prayer and fasting? Or is he talking about unbelief only comes out by prayer and fasting? See, it's not demons. You, you, don't have, you, you don't have time when a demon shows up to say, I'm fasting. <laughs> the only way, only way you have time to tell a demon, well, hold on because I'm fasting, is if you were eating when he showed up. <laughs> Turning my plate around, I'm fasting right now. You don't have time when, he, when a demon shows up that you're going to fast. It is not demons coming out with prayer and fasting. It is your unbelief being weaned out of our life by our dedication to prayer and fasting our dedication to putting ourselves in position where when we know 
that we are in a season of life where challenges are on the horizon, that before a manifestation happens, that we begin praying and fasting. That we learn to have prayer and fasting as a discipline to build faith and not a discipline to torture your body. Amen. Prayer and fasting is what we use in order to prepare ourselves and to be ready for moments of challenge and crisis when they arise. And it needs to be that we don't do it when, it, when a crisis comes. It needs to be we have made a practice of taking seasons where I'm not, my priority is God, nothing else. I'm, turning, I'm not eating today. Today's my day I'm focused on God. And I'm just going to focus on you, Lord. And when you do, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Your mind is going to get bombarded with every problem you have. You're going to get hit with every concern, every worry, everything that's everything bothering you is going to show up. As soon as you say, today I'm only focusing on God. I have a regular schedule of eating. Okay? So every morning I get up, I have my morning routine. And then by the time I get in my car, I have a little bag of food that I'm eating on the way to work, right? Right? So I got my, that's my first thing, right? 10 o'clock, I'm going to get something else to eat because I didn't eat everything in the bag. Now I'm going to eat the, <laughs> what's left in the bag, right? So now, 12 o'clock is lunchtime. On my calendar at work, there is an hour and a half. I'm not taking an hour and a half, but my calendar's blocked. Don't mess with me. Don't bother me. Don't call me. Don't make no appointments between 1130 and 1 o'clock because somewhere in here, I'm eating lunch. I'm not taking a whole hour and a half off, but don't mess with me because I'm going to eat. I get people like at 2 o'clock, they bring in food. I didn't take lunch. I said, you crazy. I ate between 1130 and 1 o'clock. That's when I eat. I don't care what's going on. So uh, I'm going to get my lunch. I'm going to eat my lunch at 3 o'clock. My stomach is growling. I'm going to get something else. Give me a snack. I'm going to eat dinner. That's how I do every day. That's my regular routine. And if by some reason I don't eat dinner until like 8 o'clock, something's a little off with me. So that's my routine. So when I go to fast... My stomach starts growling at 7 o'clock in the morning. Wait a minute. Why is it growling now? It wouldn't be getting anything yet. Why today is it now? It's like, we know what you're doing. (laughs) We know what you're trying to do today. No, we ain't having this. So you have to fight your physical battle and your mental battle, which is your cue that you are tapping into something. When you realize that there's resistance to something as simple as this, I'm not eating today, then you know you're tapping into something spiritually. And so part of your process for overcoming needs to be that you make up your mind that I'm going to set on my calendar seasons and times to fast and pray. That that's what, that becomes part of my lifestyle. It becomes a part of how I live from day to day, from week to week. I've got a time and season where I'm fasting and praying. And, and Jesus gave these instructions at one point. He said, when you fast, don't be like, don't be like the, the Pharisees. Who when they fast, they got to turn their faces and let everybody know they fast. And, you know, they got to, oh, you know, I'm, I'm fasting today. 
Oh, you're fasting? Well, you fast. Well, it's too spiritual for me to talk about. It. No, come on, man. Just you shouldn't even brought it up. Don't. Nobody needs to know that you're fasting. Because if you got your reward for people giving you accolades, Jesus said, then you got your reward already. If you told everybody you fast and let everybody know, great. They honored you. That's your reward. He said, but when you fast, don't say anything to anybody. Just fast. Nobody needs to know that you're fasting. Just fast. And put your time into prayer. When you dedicate yourself to prayer and fasting, you hit those moments like the man I believe, but help my unbelief. That line will be moved of where your unbelief begins. Amen? Amen. There's some seasons where I have great faith for things, and certain things I have a battle more than others. But I know one thing is there is a correlation between where I am spiritually in tuned to how I've been taking that dedicated time to God, and if I haven't been taking as much time with God, then the battle Even a small battle seems worse. Amen. Listen, we've been talking for the last few weeks about overcoming giants. And I want you to notice here that what he's talking about, and let's go back to, uh, let's go back to the uh, Mark chapter, uh, chapter uh, nine, where we were. Let's go back there. And I want to point out a couple of things to you. Mark chapter nine, and we're going to look real specifically. I want us to go. Uh, and look at a couple of things that happened here. Verse 16, when Jesus walks up, he didn't ask his disciples what's the conversation. He asked the Sadducee, the, the, the scribes. And so Jesus, normally, if you walk into a room and there's a conversation going on, if I walked in a room, my kids were having a conversation, there was somebody else talking to them, I wouldn't ask the stranger what's going on, I would ask my kids what's going on. You would ask the person you're most familiar with what, what's going on here. But he didn't ask them. He asked the scribes. He said, what are you talking to them about? Because you know what was happening with the scribes? The scribes saw that they couldn't cast out the demon and the scribes were criticizing them. So you've been following Jesus talking all this stuff now and now you tried to cast this demon out and it doesn't come out. You know how people do. You, 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 took a, you took a faith stand and something doesn't happen the way you expected and all the naysayers are with you. See, I told you. You can't just be going out. You can't be living my faith like that. Come on, that's crazy. <laughs> he didn't rebuke his disciples and say, what's going on here? He went to the source of the unbelief. <laughs> what is that? What are you discussing with them? Amen. Come on, how many of y'all have that situation? You're going to do, do something, somebody else doesn't believe, and when it doesn't work the way you wanted it to work, they start criticizing it's some that, that's sweet criticism. That's okay, baby. Maybe it'll happen next time. <laughs> Maybe next time. No, this time. Amen. God ain't done yet. Amen. So the man cries out and says, I brought my son to your disciples. But they couldn't do anything about it. Verse 19. And he answered him and said, and he says this in both, both verses. Oh, faithless generation. In other words, there's a, there's a whole, not just one person. That it's, it's an atmosphere of unbelief sometimes. Amen? And if you get infected by the atmosphere, you'll lose your faith. Amen? 
Come on. You got to put your, you got to put your spiritual spacesuit on. Amen. Don't, 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 be, don't succumb to the atmosphere. You need your own tank with your own stuff. So you breathe your own oxygen. Amen. Because the oxygen out here is not good for faith. Amen. You got to be covered up. You have to have to have that residue, which is why we come together. Because we stir and increase each other's faith in connection to the body of Christ. Amen. That's why when the enemy attacks us with fear, one of the things he tries to do is when we get into fear, he tries to get us to isolate ourselves. Because he needs you not to be around people who are going to encourage you or build you up or strengthen you or help you understand which way you need to go. Point you to God. Point you to the things of God. He wants you on your own to meditate on your problems. Amen. <laughs> My father, I can laugh. It's, it's, it's actually funny. My father, uh, he, was, he was going through a divorce when I was, uh, you know, I was in my teen years. And I had gone out somewhere and I came back and my father was laying in the dark <laughs> on the couch in the living room, right? It was t- pitch black in the room. And he had, there was this old song he had. He pulled out his old albums and he had his little song playing. <laughs> and the song went, it's cheaper to keep up. Hey, it's cheaper to keep up. He was just laying in the dark. He was laying in the dark listening to that song. Like, what are you doing? He said, he's a son. You understand one of these days. <laughs> he was just laying in the dark. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. But when you get in that isolated moments, those isolated times, you put on a sad song. You know? You know, you're going to put on some blues. You're going to take any Sade album you got in your, your thing and just pull it out and pull some sad on. He's a smooth operator. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to pick something to make you feel your emotions, your down emotions. You want something to identify with your downness. And so you take yourself down the hole further rather than lifting higher. Rather than addressing the issue or challenge. And so the natural thing is to try to isolate yourself because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you isolated. Amen. So he says, he says, listen, I brought him to you. Your your disciples tried to cast him out and he wouldn't come out. So immediately Jesus has to address the unbelief. Oh, faithless generation not just one person in the crowd faithless keep your finger there uh real quickly i'm going to turn to something i'm going to turn to the book of luke don't you don't have to go there uh luke chapter 18 i want to read you something in luke chapter 18 and it says this um luke chapter 18 verse 7 says and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them? Verse 8 says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? He's saying, yeah, God's going to avenge people. But when he shows up, is anybody going to be in faith? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I was believing God for something one time, and I said, oh, Lord, I need this thing, and I need this thing, and I was, you know, I was, my faith was struggling, I was struggling with my faith, and I made a decision to walk by my sight, 
and not what I believed. And so I made my decision. After I made my decision, I walked away from the situation, and the whole situation I walked away from, within just a very short period of time, totally changed. The thing I was trusting God for, I got anxious and I walked away before it changed, but it changed right after I left. So one of two things happened. Either I went too fast or I was the cause of the problem. Uh, But that's another story. (laughs) Amen. Will he find faith in the earth? Because sometimes we've been standing in faith, but we get off of faith a moment too early. I read this book one time. This man was talking. He's given a story about these uh, gold miners. And these, these, uh, these folks had found this. Uh, they were prospecting and they found some, uh, some gold in a place. And so they bought the land. And they said, right where we found this gold, we're going to dig because there must be more gold down there. And so they started digging and digging and they're going down digging. And they found some gold. They said, there it is. And so they, they start mining the gold out. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. It's just like, it just... Like, it should be more than what, you know. So they stopped, and they digging around left and right. They can't find, they can't find where the gold is. And so they sold the land. And so another guy who bought the land, he brought a geologist out. He said, I want you to take a look at the land and tell me what you see. And the geologist came and said, well, you know, there's a fault line that goes right across the land here. He discovered the fault line. So when he discovered the fault line, he went and dug just off to the side, found the gold. Because the land has shifted, and there was a difference. So what happened is, they knew something was there, but they gave up. They quit. And rather than go seek some expert counsel, they just quit and walked away from it. And what happened? When they quit, the change was right there. So I'm saying this in terms of our faith, understanding God wants to keep you in faith so that you don't quit in the season of challenge. Don't quit when things look like they're not working. That just means you met resistance. And if you're standing in faith and you're not sure, then you need to say to Jesus, I believe, but right now I need you, Jesus, to help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help that area where I'm struggling. Help me understand that. And guess what? Even the disciples were in doubt because they had to say, Lord, how come we couldn't cast him out? It's because you weren't ready. Amen? Come on, let's go. Let's talk about we'll, this. We'll go, I'm going to take you back to where we were teaching before. We said there's six categories of fear that we're dealing with in terms of the overcoming giants. There's six categories of fear that you have to be aware of and you have to be able to stand against. Amen? The first is the fear of poverty or failure. Many of us walk around and we are battling a fear of failure or fear of poverty. And so that fear of failure or poverty, what it does to us is it causes us to freeze or procrastinate or not do things that are even within our power to do because we're concerned with how the outcome may go wrong. If this doesn't work, what will happen? If this doesn't go right, what will happen? And we get fixated on what will happen if we don't, forgetting that Jesus says all things are possible for him who believes. Amen. Amen. Number two, fear of rejection. (laughs) 
there's a guy I knew, he was in our minister's training program. We're sitting down talking about kind of, okay, what are you trying to do here? He's telling, sharing with me, this is what I got in my heart. And he was sharing all these things he had, he wanted to do. And as he was, uh, he was telling me, he said, he said, what do you think? And I said, I said, did God tell you to do it? He said, yeah, but what do you think? I said, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any difference what I think. I said, now, if you told me something crazy, I would have stopped you when you said the crazy thing. You know, God called you to, to win all the Martians to Jesus. Look, stop right there. <laughs> That's crazy. We're not going there. Amen? You, God put you on the earth, not on Mars. And so you ain't gonna have to, your ministry don't have to wait till you figure out how you're going to get to Mars to minister to the Martians. Amen? <laughs> that would be crazy. I would have stopped you there. But you just told me something that I understand. So, so why, why does my opinion make a difference right now? But he was frozen. He couldn't move. He couldn't move forward because he was waiting for me to validate what he said. And God didn't tell me to validate it. Not because it was wrong. But he needed to stand not on my words. He needed to stand on what God said. He can't be afraid of rejection. can't be afraid that if I said no, there was going to be a problem. And the other side of the coin, we have people that sometimes they won't move. Even they know what to do. They won't move because they're scared of making a mistake. Amen. If you're going to make a mistake, I tell people all the time, if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake over loving. Amen. If you're confused about what to do, do it in love. And if you make a mistake trying to love, so be it. You can live with that. Amen. (laughs) Number three is the fear of sickness or weakness. Not measuring up. There's sometimes people will not do stuff because they don't feel like they're strong enough to do it. And so they don't want anybody to see them being weak. So they avoid those things. Even if God tells them to do it. Because actually what God says is let the weak say I'm strong. Amen. Amen. There's some things that people won't do because they're afraid. God tells you to sing, but you won't sing because you don't sing as well as someone else. You say I'm weak in that area, but God says do it. Amen. Number four, fear of emotional wounding or love. Some people don't want to get anybody or have anyone get close enough to you that they might hurt you. And so you protect yourself by building walls around yourself so that nobody can get inside because you don't want to get wounded. You don't want somebody hurting. You don't want to have heartache. You don't want to have pain. So you block people out before they can get close enough to hurt you. That's a fear that we carry. That's a, that's a, that is a fear. But that fear does two things for you. It protects you from getting wounded, but it also robs you of any intimacy with anybody. Amen. Amen. That's what I battle with. I battle with letting people get too close to me. Not cause I, and, and it's not because I'm consciously trying to do it. But sometimes I have automatic walls that come up. <laughs> I, have to, I have to actually roll the window down. I have to consciously roll it down. Amen? <laughs> amen. Everybody know what I'm saying? Say amen. Uh-huh. Then we have the fear of aging or missing out on things. Can't be afraid of aging. 
you gotta, you got to accept aging. Now, when I say accept aging, doesn't mean that you have to accept weakness. Because most things that people have concerning aging are because we've been mentally programmed that a certain age is too old to do anything. It's programming and not the word of God and it's not how life should work. Amen. If you're 65 and you want to ride a skateboard, go get you a skateboard. Amen. If that's the best way to get around, then do it. Amen. Amen. But work. But before you go trying to go down hills, <laughs> work on your work on your balance. Get yourself together first, and then go do it. Do your thing. Amen. <laughs> Sister Mary told us. She told us. She said, "What did she tell us?" She said, "She said, yeah, I was about 82 when I gave up water skiing." I said. I'm 55 and I ain't started yet. (laughs) She was 80 something years old water skiing. Right? So don't be afraid to age. Just age and show people how it's supposed to be done. Amen? I'll never be afraid to tell my age. How old are you? 55? (laughs) Amen. I'm not afraid. So I was in a group of, 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 of people younger than me. And they said, how old are you? Because I said something. They said, how old are you? I said, I'm 55. They said, what? Said, yeah, you had to say what, huh? <laughs> Amen. All right, say to the word. Amen. Amen. And then last is the fear of death. The word tells us that many by the fear of death have been held in bondage. The fear of death holds people in bondage. Because that fear of dying stops you from even living. Amen. I remember I got a bad diagnosis from the doctor when I was, tw- I was uh, 19 years old. I had made, I was 18. I was 18. 18 years old. I made my college basketball team. And they said, okay, just got to go get your physical. Went to go get my physical. The doctor gave me this crazy report. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. And I went on shutdown. I was 18 years old on shutdown. Total shutdown. I, I, I'm scared to move. I'm scared to do anything. I'm going to drop dead. Oh, man. Oh, man. And then I went the other way. I said, okay, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going crazy. <laughs> if I'm going to die early, then I'm, go, I'm going out in a ball of flame. And I went, act, went to acting a fool. But you know what? Here I am still alive. Amen. So I made stupid decisions I didn't have to make. (laughs) And I did things, quote, being safe that I didn't have to do. But the fear of death will cause you to do things in terms of either living and protecting yourself or overreacting and going the other direction. Amen. And I experienced both of those. So those things are the things that are fears. And we talked about seven ways, and I want to get to this last one because we started with it, and I want to tie it all together here. The six ways we talked about overcoming fear with number one, recognize fear doesn't come from God. Fear is not from God. We looked at 1 Timothy. It says, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Excuse me, seven, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. 
In other words, God doesn't give you fear. What God gives you is the ability to reverence, but not the phobias or fears that we talked about just a minute ago. So those don't come from God. Number two, you have to take authority over your own thoughts. In other words, your thoughts start drifting. You have to be the one to take authority of them. I would love to get in your mind and help you get your thoughts together. But then you say, Pastor Dare, you got to get out of here. <laughs> Amen. You wouldn't want me in there too long because I'll start making commentary on things you don't want me talking about. Amen. So you need to make you take control of your own mind. Amen. Take control of it. No, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So fear doesn't come from God. And then don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Your mind has to be taken control of. You have to take authority in your own mind with your own thoughts. Philippians 4 and 8 told us, if there's anything beautiful, lovely, if things are good report, think on these things. Amen. Don't think about the problems over and over. Think about solutions. Think about what God is doing for you. Think about the things that God has blessed you with. Kill those things to mind when you get in crisis because that's how you get strong in the Lord. That's what helps you in your time of seasons of crisis is to take control of your thinking and of your mind. Number three is you're taking control of your thinking. You've got to keep your mind focused on God because your redemption contains everything to deal with all the fears that you have. Open your Bible real quick. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1 real quick. 2 Peter chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter one. I know you've heard this before, but I want you to take your, set your eyes on it so your faith increases on this thing. Amen. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, it says, as his divine power has given to us all things. Tell your neighbor, say all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, God's given you everything you need to live. Because remember what prosperity means to be equipped for a journey. Your faith and God through your faith gives you everything you need to live and to live godly. Amen. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. In other words, God didn't just give you and equip you. He's made promises to us. And so when you feel like you want to bow to fear, you've got to come back and say, what has God promised me? What has God promised me? Exceedingly great and precious promises by that through these, that through the promises, you become a partaker of his divine nature through faith. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And everything, and other, everything you're getting drawn into, the Lord says, no, I'm trying to give you something to help you overcome those things. Amen. Number five, number four, rather, understand your triggers. In other words, when you know that you, something strikes you, and again, everything I'm, we're referring to as fear doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make you say, I'm afraid of it. And most times, matter of fact, we say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of anything. Well, how come you're stuck in your tracks? Well, it ain't because I'm afraid. It's just because I just like standing here. <laughs> Amen. Because <laughs> our pride won't let us say I'm afraid. Are you scared of spiders? No, I just don't like them. <laughs> Amen. But you have to understand your triggers, and you can only understand your triggers when you can be honest 
about what's happening to you. Because if you're not honest about what you're happening to, you will never find where your triggers are. Amen? I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just... <laughs> you mean you always look like this? <laughs> you always have an angry scowl when you're just sitting around thinking about how good life is? You, that scowl is yours? It's, it's what you... Uh, normal? No, you're, you're angry. Let's deal with it. Now let's figure out why you're angry so we can defuse the triggers. Amen. I had to get, I had my magic word. Don't say this word to me. I had to find out why is that word bothering me so much? Instead of just getting mad every time somebody says that word to me, why don't I find out why that word makes me mad? So I can have authority over that. And once I dig a little deeper and find out why it's making me mad, now I can let God heal me of the why rather than just responding to the what. Amen. Amen. Know your triggers. Understand your triggers. Again, don't know what it is. My trigger is this. Yeah, now why? And let's go to work on diffusing that thing. Let's get that thing out of your husbands and wives. You especially need to know what your triggers are. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you, don't if you don't understand how your spouse puts your trigger, you're going to believe the devil's in the house with you. <laughs> you're going to say the devil's in this house today we're going to get him out <laughs> amen <laughs> understand your triggers and you'll get the devil out amen <laughs> and your spouse can stay amen <laughs> amen they said I finally got the devil out of my house what happened my husband moved out <laughs> your husband was not the devil <laughs> amen all right. <laughs> Number five, move forward. Move forward. James chapter one, it says, do not be hearers of the word only. Let's go there. James chapter one, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Look at this. Deceiving yourselves. That's what the one people always forget. Be a, hearer of the, be a doer of the word. Yeah, I'm going to be a doer of the word. Yeah, but if you're not a doer of the word that you hear, then you deceive yourself. Amen. Nothing worse than self-deceit. If you trick me, man, they got me. If I trick myself, there ain't no help for me. Amen. Self-deception is cruel because it's based on things you have come to believe that aren't really true. And if the word challenges us and we don't respond to the word, then we go into self-deception. And then even when people tell us the word, we go, I know, I, I know that word already. But you're not doing the word. Well, that's because of dot, dot, dot. Oh, you have an excuse. That means you're self-deceived. I'm sorry. Okay. I thought you actually wanted to get healed. I'm sorry. Let me, let me move on here. Amen. Number six. We talked about this. Don't isolate yourselves. Hebrews 10 and 25. Hebrews 10 and 10 and 25 says, don't neglect the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, the worse the days get, the more need believers need to come together. Amen. 
Amen. I, I, we had to do a funeral, and so I, I made a mention. I made mention in the funeral about sometimes people don't come to church because they don't, the, not because they don't love God, because they don't like church people. So after the funeral, this this person came to me and said, "You write about that church people stuff because I don't like church people." <laughs> I said, "Okay." I said, uh, "I said all right." Well, we had a little we had a little conversation about. It. He said, "Yeah, that's why I don't. That's why I don't come to church. Church people." I said, "But you know, if you come to church, you would become a church person." <laughs> he said I know that's why I don't come <laughs> anyway but we want to help people get over that I don't like church people stuff because if we don't help people learn that then they will be excluded and they won't get encouragement when they need it they'll miss out on the love and encouragement that happens in the house of God if we stay away because of church people which means we also have to have realistic expectation about church people and that church people aren't perfect people. Amen? Church people are not per- ch- perfect people. Amen? Neither should church people do two things. They shouldn't try not to act good <laughs> so they don't appear like they're church people. Amen? Because even when you, when, you, when you have God in you and you try not to act like that so people don't know that you have God in you, the problem is they say, why are you doing that? That don't even look right on you. <laughs> because then God, God comes out of you some kind of way. You know, I was, standing, I was standing in the store and this guy was just talking about something and I said something. He said, man, that's a scripture. I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I talk like that because that's what's in me. I can't act like that's not in me. Amen. That's how that's what helps me in my challenges. So how can I I can't. So number one, you can't dumb down for people. Amen. And number two, what you can't do is then act like you have never experienced anything negative in your life. So we don't need to be way off to the left or way off to the right. We need to be people of God who are honest about who they are, but they also know God has taken me higher. Amen. And when I'm taken higher, I extend my hand to you and say, you can come with me, not you can't be here. Amen. uh, So number seven. Number seven, and I'm going to give you this and we're going to get ready to close. I can't go too deep into it. I started with it, but this is what I really want us to understand. There were two reasons the disciples could not cast out that demon. Two reasons. And Jesus said, number one, this is not going to come out by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is the only way you're going to get the unbelief out of your life. You've got to dedicate yourself to faith by learning how to fast and to pray. And if you learn how to fast and pray, it will activate your faith. But the other thing that is there that is not necessarily explicitly said, but we understand it from when we look deeper into uh, other situations, is that faith only sufficiently works when it is motivated by love. See, faith works partially on its own. But it works fully when it is connected and fueled and motivated by love. Okay? 
If you try to operate in faith without love, then what happens is your pride gets in the way. And then you have to go privately and say, how come this didn't work for us? Instead of just celebrating, praise the Lord, the boy got healed. I said, Lord, how come it didn't work for us? How come when we tried this, now it wasn't working? What's wrong with us? Tell us what we need to do differently. He said, well, this is not going to come out. Prayer and fasting. What does that mean? It means you got to get out of yourself and you got to get to God. And when you get to God, you'll discover that God is love. <laughs> First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. And we're going to close with this. First John chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 16. And it says... And we have known and believed. It was that worth believing again. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. Now this is very important to understand because we as human beings want to author what love looks like. Amen? We want to author what love looks like. If somebody says, I love you, you say, you got to show me. How am I going to show you? You just got to show me. So what do I need to do? And then we ask for them to tell us what to do in order to show that I love you. Which means the person is now authoring what love looks like. Amen? If you love me, do this. Oh, okay. Now you've authored for me what love looks like. Now I can comply with what you say. Amen? But this says, God is love. So what love looks like is not what I author. I tell Tammy, I said, Tammy, here's how you're going to show me you love me. Every day when I come home, every day, I have to have a tray of warm peanut butter cookies. <laughs> and then I'll know you love me. And they got to have, they got to have the fork marks on the top. <laughs> two to the left, two to the right. Then I'll know your love is real. <laughs> you do know I will never get that. Amen. <laughs> so, no, no, no. That woman loves me. Make no mistake about it. I ain't going to make nothing sound funny. That woman loves me. Amen. Yeah, she loves me. I ain't going to tell no stories now. I'm joking around, but I ain't jiving. This is, uh, uh, she loves me. Now, God is love. And he who abides or lives in love lives in God and God in him. But God's the author of love and not us. God's the one who authors love. Because it's his nature. It's who he is. 
And so if we understand that that's who God is, then we can start understanding that God has to be the one that's authoring love on our behalf. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us. In what? In this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because, listen to this, as he is, so are we in the world. In other words, you are love. If we abide in love. And if we abide in love, then you will find your faith will increase. Because love does what it says in the next verse. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. The perfect love. If we let the love of God abide in us, then that love of God is going to push back the fears that we have. Amen. That fear of rejection that we have, perfect love will push that fear back. That fear of failure that we have, that, 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 that love will push it back. That f- fear of dying, love will push it back. It will make things happen for us. It will pull us out of our paralysis and free us to do what we need to do. Amen? Because the perfect love will cast out fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Amen. So the disciples couldn't cast out this demon because they had unbelief. Their unbelief was driven because there wasn't perfect love in them. God wants us, and why I said this is a turning point for us as a church? Because we know we have to walk in love. But it's time for us to go to another level of love. It's time to go to another level where we're not afraid to cast out things. We're not afraid to engage. We're not afraid to do what we need to do. And whenever we feel the spirit of fear, we wait a minute and say, wait, 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 I'm, I'm a love person. Love is in me. I have the love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to walk in love. But I'm not going to walk in love how people say I should. I'm going to walk according to God's God's direction, God's guidance to me is how I'm going to walk my love walk. And I'm going to walk in love walk in such a way that I'm going to cast out my own fears. And when you cast out your own fears, you know what's going to happen? You're going to walk up on things like Jesus. And you'll cast out things because they can't remain when the love of God's in the room. So what am I saying to you so we can, we can close this out? Because I want you to understand. Rocky was prophetically saying during worship, God's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. If we understand God's not angry, then we can cancel fear by being drawn to God rather than going away from God. When we're drawn to God and we stand in faith with him, stand in faith with him, we'll be empowered and ready for crisis and circumstances when they come. We'll be empowered when moments come. Somebody shared with us about... 
Thank you for listening to today's message titled Battle Plan for Overcoming Part 2 from our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On the site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service any Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Also, please feel free to join us any Sunday morning for one of our live worship services. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.